This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jurukowski, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. I am super excited today because I have a karate legend here and uh, I'm a lifelong karate practitioner and I always love to talk to martial artists and especially karate athletes and karate practitioners because there's so much going on in the mind, especially if you're competing in karate, which there's so, so small things that are going to be chosen if you're a winner or not and people who know karate is know, knows that it's very very close and uh, you really have to have a strong mindset what i'm trying to do with the i love success podcast and uh, my big fat mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams that's why i have these amazing thought leaders here today we have have wayne otto um maybe the most successful karate athlete of all times. He has nine world gold titles. And who, who can say that in anything, basically? And he has so much more than that. He's a father. He, he's the national coach of Norway. And he's done so much in his life. So without further ado, welcome Wayne Otto. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. It's a great honor for me to be here. I'm super excited. We have spoken before. I actually met you on my first European Championships for juniors and uh, took that classic picture with hand in hand with you, who you have with mo most young athletes that love you. So it was quite cool. I remember that experience, you know, when you, you watched the amazing fighters like yourself on, on videos. At that time, there were not as much on YouTube. And, and then you got to, got to kind of meet and you were such a nice guy. Uh, we, I also had the pleasure of uh, interviewing you a couple of years back. And, and one thing you, you told me was uh, before you were fighting, you put your, your hands to your jaw and you said, to the best of my abilities. And can we just yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not something that, that, that comes about all of a sudden you, you, you know, you, you pick these things up. What do you, what you tend to find is that throughout the years that you start uh, developing, competing, the more you compete and the better you get, you find that there are what we call mental triggers and rituals that you may go through. Um, athletes have a tendency to do this a lot. And nowhere you can see this more than if you watch a 100-meter sprint and if you watch all the athletes in the night, if you watch all the, look at all the sprinters in the, in the, in the, just before they go into the blocks, they all have a kind of mentally rehearsed uh, routine or, or something they do that is unique to them that they do in order to get themselves prepared for the event. And my, my signal of putting both my hands up underneath my chin and repeating those words is is more or less the same thing and um, what it is is um it is the, the final it is the final point it is the final step before i go out 
to fight. It is my final uh, uh, preparation routine, if you so, if you, if you can call it that. And along the way, while some while some leading up to a tournament, there are other mental mental and other physical routines that I actually go through before I actually get to that point. And that that final that final thing of to the best of my ability is more of a signal to me that basically just says, you know, your best is good enough, but only your best will do. And most people in sport are looking for that, I suppose, confirmation as to whether their best is good enough. And until you've actually won something, you never actually know whether your best is good enough. Uh, for myself, after having won a few titles and developing my own mental, mental, I suppose, routine, it was clear to me that my best was good enough or is good enough. So it's quite, quite strong for me to be able to go just before I head out onto the mat to do this and say to myself, to the best of my ability. And the only reason I can say that with full confidence is because I know that my best is good enough. And, and that's basically what it is. It's, it's just a, a mental trigger, a mental routine. Uh, one of many that I use in order to prepare myself to, to go out and be successful in a fight. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I guess I want to uh, go to, to quitting. Uh, David Goggins said most people quit at 40%. And you've been around the game as a, a competitor for a long time and also as a coach. Like, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I, think, I think as... I mean, I, I was fortunate. I say fortunate. Probably too stupid to quit. But uh, I was of a, of a fortunate era where I grew up in an, in an environment that bred success anyway. And back in the 90s and, and 80s, it was quite normal for an athlete to, to continue into mid-late 20s, even, even early 30s. So... By the time I got to about 27, 28, I actually was feeling like I was in the best shape of my life completely. Um, there was no real reason for me to, to think about quitting or anything like that. Um, and I suppose it's easy for me to say that because I was still quite successful. And I think it's, it's a lot harder to quit something when you're successful as opposed to the other way around. And I think if, if I wasn't as successful as I was and, and was continuously having poor performances and, and bad results, then yeah, maybe I would, have, I would have quit early too. So I think that's a fair assessment, but I think also transition, knowing what I know with all the experience that I have had throughout my competition career, I think it was a natural progression for me to go into coaching. And once again, I was fortunate to have a really great mentor in uh, Tiki Donovan, also Big Charles and my own instructor, Terry Daly, that all helped shape the person that I am, uh, so to speak, within my, within my profession. And I had great, once again, I had great people to learn from. And that too was uh, 
nothing's ever as I suppose they say nothing's ever as rewarding as actually winning something yourself but I beg to disagree if you can if you can take an athlete take an athlete help them coach them uh, uh, make them realize their full potential um, I think I think that is just as rewarding and if they do become successful if they do become champions even better so uh, once again again um, I have tried to leave karate uh, <laughs> but it, but uh, for some reason it just keeps dragging me back in doesn't want to leave you <laughs> like that from Godfather 3 but I'm telling you it's true on yeah. three occasions I have I have decided you know what no more and on all three occasions for some whatever circumstances it is I get pulled back in and um, so I, I I'm fortunate and I and I go with it and, and I'm very happy with what I do I think I'm I think I'm pretty okay with what I do I've had some success and uh, I, I continue to do what I love yeah and what do you want to say to those young athletes or dreamers out there that they're doing their best, but they're not seeing any huge results. They're not meddling. They're not, they're not moving forward in that sense. Like what, what do you want to say to them? Uh, um... it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, we live in a very competitive world now. Everything is about competition. Everything, the focus is on succeeding, winning, uh, making sure that you achieve your goals, strive to achieve your goals. It's one thing to say, yeah, you've got to do this, but actually I think it's really difficult when you have to kind of say, okay, I know I have to do this, but how? You know, I'm training every day. I'm, I'm doing exactly what the coaches says. I'm, 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 I'm eating right, I'm sleeping right, I'm looking after my body, I'm dedicated, I'm, I'm, I'm as 100% into this sport as I possibly can. And it doesn't have to be karate, it could be anything, but I'm not getting any results. What does a, what does a person like that, what, what is the person like that supposed to do? You know, my feeling, my feeling is, you can only do your best and and that's the honest truth you can only do your best and i think if you have dedicated enough time and enough energy in this sport and you feel that you're 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 not getting the results but you have done your utmost best you've done everything that you could possibly do within that sport i think there has to be some level of acceptance and some level of internally being happy with with what you've put in because the result that you seek may not be uh uh as you want it may not be as you want it may come somewhere else down the line now i don't say that every every trainer every trainer every trainer that I've ever met has been a great fighter. No, they haven't. But 
they still produce really exceptional athletes. And point in cases, a, a, a personal point. In 1985, 1985, it was said that karate will be in the, uh, the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona. And I calculated seven years, right, in seven years time, I will be brilliant by then. Made my mind up, gonna be a brilliant fighter. And seven years came by, 1992 came, and I actually was, I, I was pretty good. I won the world championships that year. I was in good shape, but the Olympics never happened. Kept waiting, 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 waiting. Olympics, no Olympics, no Olympics. It got to around 1999 after my, my last European Championships that I decided it's not going to happen for me. This, I am not meant to be an Olympian. And as much as I desperately wanted to be an Olympian, I'm not going to be an Olympian. It's not for me. And at that point, I made up my mind and looked back at what I'd done and said, you know what, I am happy with what I've done and I look forward to what's going to come next. 20 years on, or, or let's say 15 years on, we get the, the nod. Karate's in the Olympics. <laughs> I'm too old, you know, even in my head I'm thinking, can I? Oh. <laughs> you have that thought. You know it's in my head. It's in my head. But I settled it down and said, you know what, Wayne? It's not your time. And you gave up that ghost because you look back and you are happy with what you've done. Yeah. What's happened now is we got introduced into uh, the Youth Olympics as well. And we got introduced into the Senior Olympics. And all of a sudden, I became the national coach of Norway. Now, Norway uh, used to be quite a formidable force in karate in the 80s. At the moment, it's very much, uh, we are very much seen as underdogs, but we have limited sporadic success. We took, I took four or five athletes to the Youth Olympics qualification. And you've got to understand, well, you know, Norway is a tiny country, population 5 million. So you can imagine what the population of karate athletes are like in Norway. It's small. But we go to this Olympic qualification and we get one athlete to qualify for the Olymp for Youth Olympics. Annika Salib. Out of the blue. One. And two years ago, we went to... Yeah, two years ago, we went to Buenos Aires for the Youth Olympics. And sure enough, she fights and wins gold. I'm actually, while she's gone to anti-doping, I'm holding her gold medal. Okay, it's not a, 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 the Olympic gold medal, but it's an Olympic gold medal, junior Olympic gold medal. I feel proud. Of course I do. Because all those years of wanting to be an Olympic or be part of the Olympics, I'm sitting here right now with an Olympic gold medal. So the reward that I wanted while I was a competitor didn't come then. 
but it came later. It's difficult for athletes. It's difficult for athletes that are trying their best, always trying to 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 to, to win that to win that title and stuff like that. There can only be one. Um, all I can ever say is you've just got to carry on. A. You have to have faith in yourself, one hundred percent complete belief in in what you're doing, and and have faith in yourself, self confidence, and I suppose my if if there's one advice that I would have to give to them, if my story doesn't help them along the way because it's too far too far to think about, I constantly, constantly always told myself my best is good enough and whatever title I wanted I used to repeat it over and over and over again until I could visually in my mind see exactly how I was going to win that title so that by the time the championship came around I wasn't wondering whether I was going to win or not I was just following the plan that was already embedded in my head. So I'm just going through the motions. I already know what the outcome of this tournament's gonna be because six months before, I've been drilling it in my mindset over and over and over again. So that by the time I actually get to a championship, I'm just, it's just formality. And I think a solid mindset, complete trust in your own ability and belief are the two things that you cannot you cannot let those things go so if you're feeling down because of results if you're feeling that you can't go on anymore go back inside yourself and 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 try to visualize and see it more clear in your mind as to what you want to do that's awesome can we talk about uh your your hardest moment in your life as an athlete and and what did you do to to overcome that uh, hardest moment hardest moment i haven't had too many <laughs> i've had a great career um i suppose you know i think i think the hardest moment for most athletes is a transition from from junior to senior I think this is probably a very difficult and trying time because when you become after you become after you when you transition from from junior or under 21 to senior the senior athletes tend to be a little bit more consistent you exactly know who you're going to fight on a consistent basis whereas under 21 and juniors and cadets it can vary you know, so it's it's a little bit more unpredictable. And I think for me, uh, just transitioning over, I went for a period of about maybe one or two years where nothing felt right. And it's funny, I had a, I went to an English championship, bombed out in the first round, and I, I used to be a really bad loser, so you couldn't really talk to me too much after I lost the fight or poor performance. And this kept on happening. And I did feel the first instance is to, to lay blame somewhere. So, and the first place you always lay blame at is your, your club and your instructor. We're not doing the right training. We're not doing this. You're not, you're, ugh, 
maybe about growing the club or whatever. A lot of these things go through your mind. And I remember having a conversation with an, uh, uh, an athlete stroke trainer. Actually, his name was Clive Needham. And I remember at the top of the stairs, he looked at me and said, you know what your problem is, Wayne? And I said, what's that? And he went, you want it too much. He said, you want it so bad that it's, the, the, it's stopping you from actually developing and just expressing yourself. You're tight. Everything is so closed in that by the time you get here, you're not free. You're not free. And I went away and thought about it and, and came to the conclusion it's not the referees, it's not the coach, it's not the dojo, it's not the crowd, it's not the athletes, it's not the competitors. It's you, Wayne. You are getting in the way of yourself. And I think once I came to the realization that in actual fact, you just got to stop blaming everybody else, take responsibility for your own performance, pull back a bit, learn to relax, uh, and more importantly, more than anything else, enjoy competing. Enjoy competing. Enjoy just going to tournaments and, and, and performing, performing to your best. Because let's be honest, no athlete in, in, in karate is going to be a millionaire. We're not, we're not going to become a millionaire through fighting. Not back then, anyway. Um, you have major fame within the within the, the 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 sport that you're in, but apart from that, what else is there but to do? So if you're not enjoying it, if you're not enjoying it, if you, if if it's not working you that way, why do it? And that's what I had to do. So basically, what I what I did was just rewind back and got back to the actual nuts and crux of it. Why do you do this? Why are you doing this? And it turned out, I love doing this. And that is how I overcome that period. And then what started to happen is the results and the performance started to kick back in. <clears throat> and once I started rolling, I never looked back because I understand one basic thing about me. I love to compete. This is what I love to do. What happened with your, with your life when you stopped competing? Like what happened with your mind, with your life? Uh, was it an easy transition for you or was it, was it a hard one? Um, I, I, I quit. Well, I didn't say I quit. I retired. I was about 30. I think it was 33. No, 30. I can't remember. I think I retired when I was 33. So it's quite old in terms of sport, but I felt it was the right time for me to, to not do something else, but to retire. I was, was 33, I was married, I had two children at the time, um, but very little income, so to speak. And I think what tends to happen after a certain time, you start to think about the next 10 years of your life and how, how you're going to live. How are you going to put food on the table? How are you going to support your family, your wife and stuff like that? And, and, you know, just generally 
have a good life or have a, a, a decent standard of living. I had won so many titles, but I hadn't achieved any of those things. So that period actually leading, leading into that 31, 32, 33, I felt myself going into a little bit of a state of, uh, I wouldn't say depression, but it was definitely some kind of sadness for me because actually I had achieved all of these accolades, but where I actually wanted to be in life, I was nowhere near it, nowhere near it. So I was keen to change that aspect of my life. And once again, fortunate enough to, to have a lot of experience in coaching, seminars and things like this and, and karate in a, in a roundabout way came to my aid again, whereby I could start earning a decent living and, and, start, and start looking after my family, buying a house, buying property, having a nice car, doing all the things that normal people I, I imagine take for granted and and I've lost count of how many people said that if you were in a different sport you wouldn't even be thinking about that you'd be a multi-millionaire and that's great but I'm not in a different sport I mean this one this is the, this is the one that I'm best suited for I tried playing football soccer got two left feet can't kick the ball straight <laughs> so that was out you know uh, basketball's not great in in the UK neither is American football. so you left with cricket, boring. Motor racing, expensive. Tennis, not in my neighbourhood. So uh, I'm I'm stuck. So um, the transition for me was was actually quite easy because I could see for myself there was a way there was a way for me to to start looking after myself and looking after my family. And I'm curious, can you talk about the first time you became a world champion? Can you kind of go back in your mind? Like, how did that feel for, for everyone out there that, that are dreaming about becoming a world champion? Yeah. You asked me to go way back. It's, it's long. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. <laughs> um, you know, but, but there's, there's, there's two, it, it, it goes twofold, to be honest, because, um, I, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but um, the back, my backstory is generally I'm a, what people might call a hater. Now I'm not a hater in the, in the rudest of sense, like I hate people having things that I don't have. What it is, is I'm, I'm quite jealous of things that people have. And it's not a case that I want, I don't want you to have it because I want it. It's a case of, I know you have it, but I want that for myself. So it's okay for you to have it, but I want one too. So uh, in 1986, uh, a a really good friend of mine, a rival athlete, Willie Thomas, got selected just by chance, just happened to be at the right place, right time, just by chance, got selected go to 1986 uh, European Championships. My instructor also went in the same category. Two weeks later, he came back and he said to me, you never guess who won the European Championships. I said, who? He went, Willie Thomas is European champion. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, Willie Thomas is European champion. (laughs) I said, 
you've got to be lying to me. You know, I used to fight Willie all the time. I used to beat him, you know, Willie. I said, yeah. So instantly in my head, the alarm bells went off. Well, if Willie can be European champion, I definitely can be European champion. So two years later, I eventually went to my first senior European championships and won on the sole back that, well, he won it. If he won it, then definitely I can win it. It's no problem. And I went to my first world championships that year. And I actually did feel confident enough that I could go and win my first world championship. But however, I lost in the, I lost in the quarterfinal to Terry Massey from France and lost the bronze medal to uh, a fight from Japan. So that kind of spoiled that party a little bit. But I happened to be a member of the, the team that won the world championships that year, the Great Britain team that won the world championships that year. And um, I was left out of the, the first three rounds. I was, you know, like you've got five fighters and you've got two substitutes. I was the very last substitute. So my duty really was just to carry everybody's bags. I wasn't really thought of highly like that, you know, carry the bags, you know, get everything around bring up the tail end. But uh, a series of events came about, which meant that I had to come in for the semi-final fight. And our semi-final fight was against Japan. And um, I remember that the first two fighters from Great Britain had lost. And everybody, I think the buzz around was that this was the Japanese team that will win the world championships beat Great Britain, everything. And I was sent out number three. So it's my first world championships, my first fight for the world in the world championships. And it's against Japan. I've never fought a Japanese fight in my life. But I remember looking around, looking at the team and just thinking to myself, if 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 I don't if I don't do this if I don't do this now, if I don't do this now, if I am not successful right now, the failure, the failure of this team will be all on me. And that scared the living daylights out of me. But at the same time, it fueled me it, because it was the exact, it was the highest stage that anybody could ever be. During a world championship semi-final, against Japan and it's all on you, all on you. And I went out and beat that Jap 6-1, Japanese 6-1. <laughs> it, was, it was a marvelous fight, I have to say. And uh, we went through to the final. Uh, Vic Charles came out after me and won. Then Mervyn Etienne wrapped, up at, wrapped it up at the end. And we went on to fight Holland in the final. And I fought in that final and um, I managed to win my fight and then we were waiting for Vic Charles to, to finish his fight against um, Giuseppe, Giuseppe from, from the Netherlands and he won. And I, I, I never ever experienced a feeling like that in my life. It was, it was people that, that means I'm a world champion. You know, you had to look at people and say, does that mean I'm a world champion? Except you're world champion. It's like, <laughs> I'm world champion. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you got a gold medal. 
some world champion. <laughs> beating it over and over again. Oh, wow. So that was great. That was great. But uh, two years later, I won double gold, and that was even better. Yeah, I bet. I bet. But that was that, that first time in, in, in Cairo was, um, I, I, I watched the video of me fighting in the final, maybe it must've been about 20 years after yeah. and, and seeing myself fight and win that match in the final actually brought tears to my, brought a tear to my eye. I hadn't seen it in that long. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the emotion is still there. I love that. And, and I love that you're using, you using like when you're a competitor, like we're, we're seeing it all the time, either in hard stakes situations, either you're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to become a, a smaller athlete. And you're the one that is rising to the occasion over and over again. Do you know where, where that comes from? And what is it with you that makes you tick in this and thrive in these moments? Mm. You know what? You know, and this is for everybody out there. I actually don't see myself as anything particularly special. Excuse me. Sure, I I I worked I worked hard uh, during training. Um, I wasn't particularly gifted with any special uh, physicality any more than any other athlete at that time. I was limited in what I could do with my kicking ability. Was was had good footwork, good punching ability, and I was able to to cultivate some ashibodies and stuff. But I think when I as I started to develop, and I'm talking about probably after my second world championship, <coughs> excuse me, what started to happen was <coughs> the idea of just winning a title suddenly wasn't enough. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> wasn't enough. And I wanted to, I didn't necessarily need or want to be the best in the world ever. I wanted just to prove to other people and to myself that I wasn't a fluke. It's not a fluke. It's not an accident. It wasn't a, a one hit wonder that I managed to win a world title. And as what's then started to develop was this idea of not looking back, not looking back. And what I mean by that is I can win a title, I can win or lose a title, and I will give myself two weeks to think about that title, whether it's successful or not. And after about two two weeks or sometimes three weeks of, of feeling good about that, I cut it dead and I don't look back. And what then I do is start looking towards the next title. So, always, so what started to develop was this idea of always looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. It's okay to, to reflect on past performances, what could be done better, what could be done what needs to, to, to be corrected. 
And those are probably more the things that I focus on more than anything else. So I never ever dwelled on the title or the, the idea of being world or European champion or world games champion for too long. What my next goal was, how can I be better the next time? What can I do better the next time? How can I, how can I still prove to everybody I'm still one step ahead of you? So that every tournament that I went to, I tried to bring something new to, to my game. I tried to bring something new to my aspect, whether it be a, a much more mentally resolved, whether it be uh, a, a particular movement or technique that I've been working on, something had to come through that was more improved. Yeah. And I think for me, that was, a, that was really the key to my success. The fact that I had the ability to, to figure that out for myself and then develop it for myself and just run with it. I actually didn't know whether it was right or wrong. You know, now with sports psychology and everything, they have lovely special terminology and names for this. But I think the key what I had was that I was able to do those kind of things naturally. And, and that was just instinctive for me to do. And that was it. Yeah, I, I think that the, that's amazing because when you're looking forward and chasing the next goal, something happens, right? And that's why you become a champion time after time. And uh, whatever type of motivation you need in your life to do that, that's what you, you got to find. Uh, well, I, think, I think motivation is one thing, but also commitment. The, the you you've got to be you've got to be committed to what you do it i would be lying if i said every day i woke up and i was motivated to the hilt to do this i used to pray for rain because i knew i i used to do do three sessions every day three sessions uh most days so i used to wake up at six in the morning and go for a run but i hate running with a passion, but I knew I had to do it. And I would wake up, and I live in England, so the possibility of rain is quite high. I used to wake up, open my window, and pray for rain. And it wouldn't rain. And I knew I had to go out for a run. But on the days that it did rain, I did stay inside, because I was glad. I was glad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, trying to stay motivated all the time is hard. And I think... So I think what is more important is if you're committed to staying the course, committed to doing what you, you, you set out yourself to do, then you can deal with the waves of motivation that goes up and down because your commitment is, is, is where your solid foundation, that's where your base is. I'm committed to do this. So motivation goes up and down. It's like going to work. Some days you feel like going to work and other days you don't but you're committed to it because that is what you said you're going to do. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think the people that are actually saying what they're going to do and staying the course, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, uh, no matter the results, because people yeah. that are staying the course, it's, it's amazing. And I think that's, that, is, that is really what 
what happened to me. It, and like I said, I, I do these things, a lot of the things I did was instinctive and I, I, I did things without knowing exactly what I was doing or even knew the reason. I couldn't even articulate it to myself why I was doing it. I just felt, yeah, this is the right thing to do. But when you, when you lay all out on the table, basically all it was was it was just an amazing level of commitment to what I was doing. And I was hell-bent on, on making sure that I achieved what I wanted to achieve through just staying, staying the course. Love that. I have one final question for you, Wayne. We're, we're all about sharing tools, but at the end of the day, we want the people that are watching and listening to this to take action, to improve their lives and get closer to their dreams. So what would be the, the best step for them right after this to get a little bit closer to their dreams? What, what's your best advice? Well, they probably haven't, they, they probably have heard everything that I've, that I can that I can tell them, but the the, the one thing is you, you've got to have it firmly in your in your head, firmly in your head, exactly where you want to be. So you mark it out. You you kind of project yourself into the future and say, this is where I want to be. Now now you you discover where is it you want to be. Work the steps backwards. And on each step, going back to where you are at present, you can then determine what is it, what do I need to do in order to get to the next step? What do I need to do to get to the next step and the next step and the next step? And we do this in karate all the time. So if I have a particular technique that I want to execute and that I want to improve on, I visualize and project myself into the future and say, right, this is what I expect this technique or this uh, strategy is supposed to work like. And then I work the steps backwards to figure out what it is I need to do in each step in order to get to my goal. Because if I, if I try to jump from A to Z, it's, it's, it's too hard. Yeah. But if I work on those small increments, towards my goal then within no time or within a within a, a set period of time that i've given myself the likelihood of me achieving that goal is a lot more greater than if i just look at it all all as one and say right i want to achieve that of course you want to achieve success of course you want to you want to have a good business of course you want to earn lots of money and stuff like that it's great how are you going to do it how are you going to do it well first of all Maybe you need an education first. So go get educated. Once you've done that, right, I need a, a job, but I'm not gonna just all of a sudden be made CEO. So I've got to start at the bottom somewhere, get some experience. Then what's the next step? And you give yourself a certain amount of time that you're gonna stay in each situation. You know, because you want to always be looking forward, not looking back, not settling, looking forward. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And just keep pushing forward. That I think is probably what they should take from this. It's not uh, it's not anything that you should go out and do 10 push-ups and say, right, everything's gonna be all right. But if they can't see it in their head, write it down. 
write it down and then write back the steps to where they are now and say, right, how did we get there? I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I actually wrote a book about this called The Gold Book, How to Achieve Your Dreams. Uh, and it's, it's- Send me a copy. I will. I will. Sign it. <laughs> I will. I will. In, in Swedish, so you can learn. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> okay. I'll send you one in, in English. Uh, yeah, so it's all about setting those goals. And technically, you begin with the end, end in mind, right? And then you find those small little steps. And for people that are committed, not motivated, I learned that today from you. You will, you will get there. Uh, Wayne, I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate oh, this. I, I, I am amazed. That I didn't realize about your, your goal to help 10 million people within 10 years. So, uh, yeah, great. I support you on that 100%. That's a, great, uh, that's a great thing to do. Helping people has been in a roundabout way my, my second life's work, you know, helping athletes to achieve their goal. And, and I can tell you right now, it's, it's rewarding. That's awesome. Thank you, Wayne. If people want to connect with you, follow your journey as a coach, where, where is the best way to find you? Um, I'm, I'm always on Facebook. Facebook and also uh, Instagram is probably the best way. Awesome. Thanks again. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to this incredible conversation with a true legend. He's humble, but he has so much knowledge. He's been... Uh, this is his life and his stay the course, staying committed, uh, super grateful. What I want from you guys, if you've listened to this, if this gained some value in your life, show us some love by sharing this, sending this to another athlete, dreamer that wants to achieve something. We're in this together. For me to achieve my goal, I need people like Wayne, but I also need people like you that want to achieve your dreams, but also want to help us build an amazing tribe. Check us out at ilovesuccess.co. I'll give you a couple of free chapters of my book. Also, there's almost 200 of these amazing conversations with world champions, Olympians, 9-11 survivors, astronauts, UFC champions. We have them all sharing open-heartedly. Thanks again and talk to you soon.